this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Anchor. If you don't know what Anchor is and you're thinking about starting a podcast, you should probably find out what Anchor is because Anchor is a free way to host your podcasts. It also gives you creation tools like the ability to record yourself, record with other people, edit as well, and do it from your phone or your computer. You don't need to go buy fancy tools to start. You can start with Anchor. And you can hit the nice distribute button, and it's going to send it out to all the places you want it to be, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and more. In addition to that, you can make money from your podcast with no basic listenership. In other words, if you only have 10 people because you're just starting, you can still monetize that. It's really hard to find a better place to start. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm and get started on the crazy podcast journey. Okay, everybody, I am back, which, to be honest, was not a guaranteed situation. I wasn't sure... I was going to continue doing this because I kind of just, I don't know. I just kind of lost what I was doing. Um, I'm not going to go off on that for very long or at all, to be honest, because it doesn't really matter. The fact is I'm here. I'm even using my fancy microphone because why not? I spend a lot of money on this thing. Why not use it? Why not? Uh, I'm, I'm taking a different tact and, uh, I don't know. Let's let's just cut that out. <laughs> I uh, I guess the best way to say it is I'm just trying to keep this raw and casual so that I can enjoy it. And you'll understand why that's important when we go into some of the stuff and the topic, I guess you could say, the topic of the episode. I want to talk a little bit about mental health because mental health has a lot to do with why I walked away from the podcast for a little while, why I walked away from a lot of things, not just recently, but just, I guess you could say, uh, in the last four or five years. And I know some of these topics for anybody that's here have come up before, but I, I don't know. I, I, I don't feel like I want to always be saying, I know I've talked about this before, like I'm apologizing or something. I want to talk about this. This is a casual podcast. This is my podcast. So I'm going to do it the way that I feel casual and the way that I want to do it. And I can't assume that everybody that's listening has been here before. You know, there's all these technical things. So let's let's get into the topic. Let's I'm rambling here. Mental health. So several years ago, I had a very difficult bout. We're not going to go into a lot of details. I don't need to give you details of my personal mental and physical health. But uh, I had a really difficult period of what kept being described to me as anxiety. I had these things would happen where my heart would take off and, you know, get up to like 190 beats a minute. And everybody kept telling me, this is panic attacks, panic attacks. Okay, so that's the vocabulary. That's the vocabulary you later. Can't even say the word. That is the vocab. (laughs) That I learned. These are the words that I learned to describe these things. They may be correct. They may not be correct. I don't know. We'll get into it a little bit more. The reason that I say they may or may not be correct is because my anxiety, as I've just recently been reminded, it comes from sleep disorder. It comes from actually technically One diagnosed sleep disorder and one just self-observed sleep disorder that I'm still currently in the midst of trying to uh, figure out, I guess you could say. So the first one is sleep apnea. Sleep apnea, this is where you wake up multiple times during the night. For severe cases, I have a relative who has been tracked as waking up as much as 30 times an hour. And basically what's happening there is your throat 
I guess the the, the muscles in your throat. I, I don't even know if I fully understand it. The muscles in your throat just kind of like they collapse. And so your throat, your airway closes and you choke and then you wake up. But the crazy thing about it is you could have it for years like I did and not know it because these little wake-ups are these small little wake-ups where you're choking, but it doesn't fully wake your consciousness. So like your body wakes and adrenaline shoots through you and, you know, it disturbs your sleep. It prevents you from continuing through the sleep cycle process like you're supposed to, but you don't know it because it's it's happening so many times while you're in this deep exhaustion, essentially. So you don't even know. And the only way I guess you figure it out is, you know, you just have enough problems or like me, you start having these tachycardias, these racing heart things that you can't explain. And you've never had problems with anxiety or stress before. You used to be a pretty mellow person like I was. And all of a sudden you're having this problem and then your blood pressure is high and then your blood sugar is high. And there's all this other, all this other stuff going on that points in that direction. So, you know, you go in and you get tested and then you know, they tell me, yeah, you have sleep apnea. So that means you got to get this machine, the sleep CPAP machine. And it pressurizes, you know, you put this mask on your face or like I do, you just put it under your nose and it pressurizes the air. So that basically it just puts enough pressure in there so that your airway can't collapse. Boom. All of a sudden I had the thing, start using it. All of the things that were described to me as anxiety, all of that stuff. This is like five years ago, four years ago. It all disappeared the moment I got the CPAP. Correct diagnosis. Well, then suddenly, after years of being completely free of all of this, all of the things start returning. And I don't know what's going on. You know, like I'm using the machine every night like I'm supposed to. So I decide, oh, the machine must be broken. So I go buy a new machine, $500 machine. And the problem's still persisting. And I get to the point where I'm so exhausted. And as far as timeline goes, this is the exact same time that I'm just losing interest in everything, including this podcast. Because I'm exhausted. The idea of like even walking over to this computer and sitting, turning on a microphone and talking into this headphone, headphone, you don't talk into headphones, talking into this microphone, it's, it's beyond me. I literally just don't care. If you've ever, I don't know, if you've ever experienced sleep deprivation, it's different than being tired. Like sleep deprivation is when it's carried on over a long period of time. And you would think like it's like being tired the next day, you know, like when you only get like three, four hours of sleep. But no, it's not because your your body and your mind, they kind of acclimate. Let me sip a little tea here. I'm getting dry. Your body and your mind, they acclimate to it. So just like anything else with the human body, it becomes your new normal. So you stop feeling like you're tired because this is normal. This is how you feel every day. But over time, that stuff starts to affect your body and your mind. And so I'm losing interest in all these things. And, you know, like I, I remember thinking in this period of time, I remember thinking, and this was just like really just started to conclude itself in the last few days. But we're, we're talking a couple of months ago when I was thinking this. I remember thinking like, when's the last time I enjoyed something? Like anything, literally anything. And that's one of the problems with sleep deprivation is sleep de deprivation. It, it messes with your dopamine and all your hormone levels. So all of a sudden, like the things that your body releases when you enjoy something that allow you to enjoy it, they stop working. And I mean, obviously I'm not like cataloging all this. I don't know this is going on. I'm just thinking like, oh, you know, I don't know what I'm thinking. Like midlife crisis. I don't remember how I was reasoning it in my head. So what happens over time is I start to realize I'm so tired that when I go to sleep, I, I fall asleep instantly. Now, you wouldn't know this, but most of my life, I've always been a person who gets into bed. I, like I have a ritual to get into bed because I don't fall asleep quickly. I have to like 
slowly tune my mind down. It usually takes me about a half hour to an hour to fall asleep. All of a sudden, I'm the guy who can get in bed, close his eyes. You know, I put my CPAP on, turn my head sideways on the pillow, and boom, I'm out. But then I, then I start to wake up an hour later. So every time I go to bed, I wake up almost exactly an hour later. And I don't mean like the wake up I was talking about with like the, the CPAP where you don't notice. I mean wake up where it's like I'm conscious that I'm awake and now I have to pee. So I go to the bathroom, come back, go to bed, fall asleep, wake up an hour, hour and a half later. And this would go on all night except maybe in the morning I might get a three-hour chunk if I was lucky. So I start to notice that there's something going on with my sleep here. And what I don't know at the time is when you don't go through the full cycles of sleep, if you don't get into, obviously, what's past one hour, your body doesn't secrete, I think it's a hormone as well, I don't remember, it doesn't secrete this, we'll call it a hormone now, it doesn't secrete this hormone that suppresses your body processing urine. Which is pretty cool when you think about it. Your body has this mechanism that goes, oh, you're going to be asleep for eight hours? Let's not make pee. Well, if you don't get in the sleep cycles, that stops. So you wake up and I have to go to the bathroom every time. Why? Because my body's processing liquid like I'm awake. So I also made it worse. I was drinking a lot. I drink a lot of tea. And of course, had chamomile tea at the end of the night. Do you want that? There's the idea of drink that chamomile tea right before you go to sleep. Well, you dump that much liquid in and you don't have that hormone suppressing it. So now that tea is going to be the thing that wants to come out. So I get to a point where I'm laying. I said I wasn't going to go into a lot of details. Apparently I lied. <laughs> I think you need to know this stuff maybe to understand the rest of the stuff that I think I'm going to talk about. Um, I get to a point where I'm falling asleep. I'm trying to nap during the daytime because I'm so tired and I'm falling asleep and I'm noticing what's happening. Cause I'm, when I do the naps, I'm wearing the CPAP too, because I figured like, Hey, this thing makes me stops me from choking on my throat. I should probably do that anytime I sleep. Right. Well, I start to notice that every time this machine kicks in, it's jolting me awake. Now, like I said, I haven't, I have an appointment next week to get all of this like figured out with like a technician to make sure that the machine's dialed in. Could be the machine is dialed wrong. It could also be that over time I've developed a sleep disorder in response to the CPAP. That when it kicks in, it gives me anxiety and wakes me up. It's one of those two things. So, yeah, this stuff just is destroyed my sense of pleasure destroyed my personality. It destroyed, like, when you're that exhausted, you don't even want to communicate to anyone. You don't want to talk to anyone. You don't want to, because it all seems exhausting. It's all seem, it all seems tiring. And then also there's the part of your brain that's like, the only thing I have to talk about is the suffering that I'm going through. And nobody, nobody wants to hear that. So now, like, you're in this, or I'm saying you, but I, I was in this, like, isolated place, this little isolated bubble of darkness. I don't know if you can hear that, but the sprinklers just came on. The isolated bubble of darkness gets tighter and tighter. It keeps getting smaller and smaller. And you start doing less and less. So you start, uh, you, I don't know, like you spend your day in this haze. And all you can think about is like, what's wrong? What's going on? What's wrong? And then something weird happened. Um, I started getting something. I started getting the, the tachycardias again, but not like before. I wasn't getting the panic attacks before. I started to get this other thing. It's called an ectopic beat. And an ectopic beat is when, I guess the, way, the best way to say it is, so you have different different chambers of your heart, and each of them has their own uh, the, it's not your heart isn't just one muscle. Each of those chambers is a separate muscle. So I think it's it's been a while since I studied anatomy, but I believe there are four chambers of the heart. 
And essentially your heart produces its own electricity as well. So you have the heartbeat. And what we know as the heartbeat is all four of those chambers firing at the same time. All of them contracting and pumping blood at the same time. But sometimes the electricity in the heart can get a little screwed up. So the pacemaker, which we know as like an artificial thing, but the natural pacemaker, which is like a, like when you think of rowing, you know, you have all the rowers, but then there's the guy going, row, row, or stroke. I think that's the word they use, stroke. That's the pacemaker. That's the pay. The pacemaker's telling the other four, like, fire now, fire now, fire now, fire now. What happens sometimes when you're the electricity in your heart from exhaustion and anxiety that comes from exhaustion, because yes, you start to develop anxiety because you're sleep deprived, your heart electricity gets screwed up and one of the chambers can stop hearing the pacemaker every once in a while, which doesn't mean it's not beating, but it beats off rhythm. And it's just, it's really hard to explain. It is the most terrible thing you could ever feel in your chest. Technically, uh, if it's infrequent, it's not dangerous because your heart is still beating. But what it feels like is it feels like, because you're used to the sensation of all four things firing at once, when that doesn't happen, it feels like your heart skips a beat. Which you don't think you'd notice when your heart beats but you notice when it doesn't or when you think it doesn't. But then because what happened is only three of those four chambers fired that time when it felt like it didn't beat, when it comes back again, that fourth one is back in, right? But that fourth one has twice as much blood in it because it has the blood from the time that it missed the beat and now it's got the blood that it's supposed to pump now. And I'm sure this isn't all technically correct, but this is my understanding of it. But when now, when they all beat together, they all follow that pacemaker, the beat skips, and then now you have this beat that feels twice as strong. And an ectopic beat can be normal. We have these, most people have a couple of these a day and don't even notice because they're minor. They only happen once or twice a day. But I started experiencing what's called trigeminy, I believe is the pronunciation of it. And that's when you get the the skipping and the hard thing. We'll just call it an ectopic beat, those two things together. You get an ectopic beat, two normal beats, an ectopic beat, two normal beats, an ectopic beat, and then back to a normal heartbeat. That's That was the peak of things for me, where things are going wrong here. And any, I've always, when I... When my head went dark places with my anxiety, it always went to my heart for some reason. I don't know why. I've never been told I don't have a healthy heart. But when you when that's the place your mind always goes and then there's something going on with your heart, whoo, man, that sucks. It sucks. So my anxiety technically is an offshoot of actual physical issues. Sleep deprivation, essentially. I'm still dealing with this. I'm still getting better. I had a few of those ectopic episodes today, but not as bad. At one point, it actually it was, uh, I think, last week. I had it for 12 hours. And yeah, so it would be like ectopic beat, normal beat, ectopic beat, normal beat, normal beat, ectopic, normal, normal, ectopic, and then like four or five minutes of normal heart and then back for 12 hours. Terrified, terrified. And yeah, I'm going into a lot of detail on this because I want you to understand that it's not easy to differentiate between the body and the brain. And what, because like I said, that they're, they're interplayed here. And I wasn't, you know, I'm always looking for what's the problem here? How do I fix the problem? That's what we all want, right? And I kind of want to fix this. How do I fix this? All of my energy, all the stuff that I was putting into things that I didn't care about anymore because I had no ability to feel pleasure anymore, all of that energy now is focused 
on what's going on with my body. And if you don't have anxiety before that, you don't have the mental patterns of anxiety, you don't have some sort of mental health issue, you will develop it when you spend all day thinking about the weird things going on with your body that you seem to have no control over and nobody seems to give you a solution to. Add on top of that a tooth. You know, I got two, like I had two teeth that needed crowns replaced. So now all of a sudden I had this, like, well, why is my temple hurting? Why is, you know, like, why am I getting this pain in my teeth? All of that develops into a pattern of thought. That's where, that's what all of this has been building to is the idea that some things like anxiety can be, I'm not going to give a, a blanket statement because I'm not a professional. I only know my experience, but I've seen that it can develop into a pattern of thought that these, these things are patterns of thought. So as I'm starting to feel a little bit better, as I I'm starting to get better sleep, I don't, in all honesty, I'm going to be really clear here. I still haven't had the machine adjusted because the appointment's next week. But for some reason, last night, I got a lot of really good sleep. And that means I only woke up four times. <laughs> I'd like to get to a point where I could sleep for eight hours. Imagine what that would be like. But I don't feel sleep deprived today. I probably am but not as much as I was before. Remember that new normal thing. So when you're, when you're used to being at negative 10, if all of a sudden you're at negative five, you feel like you're back at neutral, even though you're still in the hole. More tea. So the first thing, this I guess, the, I don't know, I just, I kind of wrote down like some blanket ideas. So I find I ramble too much if I don't give myself at least some structure. The first thing I wrote down was, I've been trying to remove negative thought patterns because if all of this, the stuff outside of the stuff that's in my control, I should say the mental stuff is a thought pattern. I have to get out of that thought pattern, right? All of the physical stuff can get better, but if I'm still in that negative thought pattern, if I'm still in that anxiety pattern, I'm not going to feel better. So I have to start looking at the negative patterns and figuring out how to remove them. I have to, and that starts with actually, it starts with noticing things. And these aren't all mental thought patterns. Some of them are, I, want to, I guess the best way to say it would be habitual body patterns, things that you do with your body. Like for example, one of my big ones that I catch myself doing all the time is I catch my jaw clenched. And I don't mean clench. It's like I'm bearing down. You know, like in the movies when somebody's like, they got a bullet wound and they got a, they're, they're in some kind of, they're in the middle of the battle and they got to get this bullet out and all they got is a knife and there's no anesthetic because they're in the middle of nowhere. What do they give them? They give them like a belt to chew on. That's what my jaw is doing. And I catch it all the time during the day. So I just have to pay attention to that and go, Hey, whoa, whoa, we're not cracking walnuts here. Let's relax. Let's turn that off. Turn it off, which I will say is not as easy as you think. You think you have control over your muscles until you realize that you don't. You ever had like a tense back and think like, hey, wait, if my brain controls my muscles and I can just tell the muscles of my back, like chill out. And then you try that, you know, you send the message, yo, chill out and nothing happens. <laughs> Same thing with the jaw that can happen or, you know, to there's the, the feigning thing, you know, like a child pretending to do with the parent ass. You know, they just do like 10%. Yeah, that would happen with the jaw. They'll just loosen just a little bit. Like, oh, I'm listening. No, years, you're still, still pretty tight there. Still pretty tight. A mental thought pattern too, which can be just as hard to get out of, is, is actually a word that somebody told me three or four years ago that stuck with me. Because it was such a strange sounding word. Perseverating. You ever heard that word? Perseverating. It's basically obsessing over a thought. So I'm not getting the dictionary definition here, but it's running thoughts over and over, you know, like just perseverating on it. It's like, I am, I'm spinning on it. 
I had a boss who used to say that. Like, oh, that's been in my head all day. I've been spinning on that all day. That's a really bad thought pattern, especially when you're doing things with your body. You know, you're having problems with your body because you get in this pattern where all you're thinking about is what's going on? What's going on with that? What's going on with that? And so you're paying attention to it all day. And I'll tell you something. The mind is very, very powerful. Your finger might not hurt right now, but I guarantee you, well, I don't want to guarantee, but I guarantee you if I did it, maybe not for you, if I focused on my finger and thought about nothing but my finger for a while, all of a sudden I'd start to notice aches in the joints, soreness. I can literally, by focusing on it too much, can literally create pain in it. That's a powerful weapon. It's a powerful weapon. And I, I'm going to say this now before I forget it. I had this conclusion the other day when I started doing some breathing exercises and found that to some degree, I could lessen the ectopic beats. I couldn't get rid of them completely, but I could lessen them. And the only way that I was able to get to that place was by coming to this realization where it's like, wait a minute, if my mind is so strong that it can create physical disruptions in my body, then that means it's strong enough to also stop it. And that might not be 100% true, but that's a useful story. Even if it can only get away, get rid of some of it. That's a really useful story. Other ways of removing negative thought patterns. Um, the other day I did something that I haven't done before. I tried out TikTok and I get it. You know, like I get why people enjoy it. I've, I've been playing around like I did vlogging back in 2016. I've been playing around with the idea of like doing little, like almost like vlogging segments on TikTok. And it's shocking. I'm sure most of you already know this because you've probably used it. Shocking how being a brand new user who puts out something you get like 500 views. Like, you, I mean, think about that for all the other social medias. It's, it's mind-blowing how much work you have to do to get 500 views of something on Twitter. 500 views on something. I'm talking on your first day. Your first day on Twitter. 500 views on your first day of Instagram. 500 views on your first day of YouTube. Unheard of unless you're a name. You know, unless somebody already knows who you are and you're going to have these instant followers. So I understand also why that's appealing because I assume it's not like I'm special and I'm getting like 500. I assume this is happening to everyone, that that's just the way that algorithm works. But I also caught myself in a negative thought pattern with TikTok. And I got to this place where I was thinking about TikTok a lot for like two days. You know, this is my first two days with it. And I realized that all I was thinking about was oscillating between TikTok and anxiety, TikTok and anxiety, TikTok and anxiety. And I was like, oh, this isn't healthy. This isn't healthy either. And I don't mean that TikTok isn't healthy. It's my thought pattern in the way of like, if I take that idea of vlogging and I'm going to spend my day like I did when I was actually vlogging, looking for moments to record all the time. I'm not in a mental place to be able to do that right now. I still have to get back to healthy first. I still got to get my brain back to healthy first. So I had to catch myself there and I had to look at the app and go, okay, this is not going to be something that I'm going to post on every day because it can't be. But every once in a while when I think of it and it seems like something fun, then I'll do that. And the only way that I learned that to be able to do that was by walking away from so many things, like walking away from this podcast. And I, in the time since I haven't recorded an episode of this podcast, I also did something I haven't done in a long time is I recorded a video for YouTube. I had this idea for a long time. I wanted to, you know, like I had a podcast before, semi-literate, where I would talk about books, but I do it one book an episode. I started finding these videos recently of these things called monthly wrap-ups. And I actually talk about this in the video, so I'm not going to reiterate all of it here just because I don't want to repeat myself to myself. 
<laughs> but the these monthly wrap ups, people would just get on, or the, not would they do get on, and they just tell people what books they read for the month and what they thought of each book. You know, f- four or five minutes each book, something like that. And I did mine. Mine was really long. Mine was like a, an hour and ten minutes. But that's just because I happened to have read or like 12 books that month or something like that. So I had a lot to talk about. This month, I haven't been doing much reading. So I think this month's video is going to be short. The reason I bring this up is that YouTube activity of going, oh, I like this thing. I burped in the middle of that. Wonderful. I like this thing. And it's enjoyable to me. But it's something I can only do once a month. Like I can only do a monthly wrap up once a month, right? That's that's by definition what it is. So it was, it was like shifting back gears. You know, my my original experience with YouTube was posting every day for two hundred days, once a month, just once a month, and nothing fancy. I just turn on the camera and I talk to it. That's it. Leaving all the hiccups and all the bumps, just like I'm doing right now. And that process is why I was able to go, okay, TikTok, I don't need to quit TikTok, but I don't, I'm not going to do it every day. And to be able to get myself into that place. So I had developed a healthy pattern with YouTube that was able to work almost as a blueprint for something else, right? It's also the same blueprint that I'm applying to this to the podcast. Like, oh, now that I understand this, now that I can get into that healthy pattern, I can go back to podcasting because I do enjoy it. And I can do it when I feel like it, when it feels good, when I have something to say. And I have a newsletter again, you know, like I've been doing a newsletter. I I decided I wanted to focus on things I like. So I was, I came up with the idea that every time I put out a newsletter, it's going to be 10 things that I like. That's it. Just 10 things I like. Could be a movie, an album, a product, an idea, a quote, whatever. 10 things. That's it. But it's not every week. Because of that same pattern, that same blueprint, I put it out when I have 10 things that I want to share. That might happen in a week. Or like right now, it's been like a week and a half since the first one. And I just barely passed the 10 item threshold. But I'm also not in a rush. Like, oh, I passed that threshold because this is a negative thought pattern. This is where I'm getting with all this content stuff. The negative thought pattern isn't posting content. It isn't all of this stuff. It's the idea of setting a schedule that you can't meet. And I don't mean that you physically can't meet. I don't mean that you don't have the capabilities to meet. I mean that you mentally can't meet. So take the newsletter, for example. I could do that every week. I could make it something that happens every week. But then what's going to happen, the mental thought process that's going to happen in me is I'm going to spend the week worried about having 10 things. I'm going to spend the week perseverating on having those 10 things. TikTok, if I'm going to tell myself, oh, I'm going to use this every day, then I'm going to spend the day with the camera perseverating about what I'm going to record. And that is no different than the perseverating about the anxiety. And it feels the same way. And it raises my heart rate in the same way. And it gives me the ectopic beats in the same way. And it makes me miserable in the same way. So the next thing I need to do This is stuff I'm already doing and stuff I still need to do, but remove unneeded stresses. That seems straightforward. But what I mean by that is just looking for little things that like, why am I dealing with that? Like, why can't I just fix that? You know, why can't I just take care of that? You know, like say you continually lose your keys. That's an unneeded stress. Getting one of these Apple AirTags or Tile sticking it on your keys so you can find them when you need to find them. That's dealing with an unneeded stress, right? Simple solution, you know, costs a little bit of money. Like they're like 20 bucks or something like that. But it's done. 
and then you don't have to worry about it. That stress is gone because all of those little stresses, they will pile up too. And those can be things that contribute to this healthy, this unhealthy thought pattern. I know I'm talking about this like an expert, but I'm really, really talking about this more in the way that a, a travel writer talks about the place that they traveled. I'm not going to tell you that I understand everything about Rome, but I'm going to tell you about my trip to Rome. I'm not going to tell you that I understand everything about anxiety, but I'm going to tell you about my trip through it. So please don't confuse me with an expert. You can confuse me with someone who sips tea at inappropriate times, but when the mouth is dry, the mouth is dry. So here's a couple ways that I am removing unneeded stresses. So for a while, I've been dealing with my little to-dos, you know, the tasks that you have to do every day, the things that are important, you know, remember to do this item for your work or remember to wash your CPAP machine, <laughs> these things. I've been using, I've been, I've been jumping around. I've, I've always kind of jumped around because I never found something that really saddled me in that made me feel comfortable. Uh, David Allen, the guy who wrote this book called Getting Things Done, which is like the productivity books, the productivity book, not plural. One of the things he says is you have to trust your system. And I have never really built a system that I trust. So that's a stress, right? Am I going to forget about that? And is that going to slip through the cracks? So I've been jumping around with stuff. I was doing it on paper for a while. That worked for a little bit. But then I realized what happened over time is I stopped looking at the paper. <laughs> and then I was using Apple Reminders for a while. And then I realized I just stopped looking at Apple Reminders. And same thing with the thing I used after that, which was using my note-taking app, Rome Research. That worked for a couple months. But then when I, I get stressed and all this stuff, all this anxiety and all of these things, these the sleep deprivation, all of that happened. I was going to my note app less and less, as you can imagine, because I had less and less to put into it. So if you're not going to the thing where your tasks are, you're not seeing your tasks. So the other day, I busted out the first task manager that I ever used, which was Todoist. And... I was just kind of looking at it. Like, is this a solution for me? Because I had an idea of what I needed. I needed two things. I needed something that would help me to organize things well without being super complex. And number two, I needed something that would put it, the tasks that I need to do every day in my face, in a place that I couldn't miss it. So pretty much, I'd say every task manager on an Apple iPhone can put it right in your face because of widgets. So you can just stick that task widget right on your home screen. So every time you pick up your phone to do something, there's the thing telling you, this is the task you need to do. They all do it differently. I like the way that Todoist did it, but that's not the reason I, the only reason I chose it to go back to it. I chose to go back to it because of the organization as well. I like the way that it organized things. So those two things together solved the problem. Now I open my phone, I see what I have to do for the day, and I can see what's coming up in like the next four days, which is really nice. Problem solved. Unneeded stress removed. Fingers crossed. I'm only two days into it. Finance is another place. Like I don't miss payments. So that's not really one of the problems. But I have this this thing where I don't really know how much money. Let me explain this actually a little bit better without going super detailed. But I have this new bank. I had to switch banks because a big bank bought the bank that I had that I loved. They closed it. BBA, you suck for closing simple. So I had to move this new bank. I moved this bank. It's called One Financial. They were the closest thing to what I was getting from simple. There was all these things that I loved about that. And they planned to build some of the other things that I loved about it. So it seemed like a good place to jump. Well, one of the things they have that's really cool, this sounds like a commercial for them. 
you just need to understand this so you can get what I'm about to say is you can have one bank account, but you have these things called pockets and the pockets are essentially like bank accounts within a bank account. So each pocket has its own routing number, its own account number, its own virtual card, debit card number. So they can, it's like, if say you want 10 pockets, it's like having 10 actually technically because of your, your normal account, 11 bank accounts in one and they're all connected and you want to transfer funds. It's instantaneous because it's all technically inside the same bank account. It's really cool. So I set all of that up. I set up categories like, okay, this is where, you know, like bills come out of this one and entertainment stuff comes out of this one and stuff for the dog comes out of this one. And what's nice about it is they'll never bleed into each other. You know, so something that happens in the bill one will never screw up a transaction related to health. You know, like I'll never have to worry about anything messing with my health insurance payment. So it's really nice. But the problem with that is I transfer money into each of these every time, but there's money left over. But if you or anybody who's ever paid attention to your bank account, you know that your bank accounts, they never, never actually go to zero, right? So yeah, you paid all the bills this month, but how much money in there is extra? And I'm not talking like a ton, but like, say, for example, my, my health insurance, unfortunately, is $485 and I think like 43 cents. We'll call it 50 cents right now, just to make the math easy. 485.50. So what do I transfer in there? I transfer 486. I don't transfer the 50, right? So I make sure that money's in there. Well, when that comes out, 50 cents is left behind. But it's not just 50 cents because I have other things that are coming out of that health fund. So I don't just look at it and go, oh, there's an extra 50 cents. That was bothering me because I could be taking all of those, all those times that there's extra money, even if it's just 50 cents, I could be taking that and moving it into my savings. Let's move those little things in the savings. So what did I do? I went on to Airtable, which is just like an online spreadsheet thing. And I figured out a way, I spent some time thinking about it, figuring out a way that I could chart everything so that I can look on there and any day of the month, I can look on there and see how much is supposed to be in each bank account on that day. And if there's more in there, I can take the more out, move it into savings. Yeah, it took me like maybe two hours, but now I never have to think about that again. And in, in a second, I can open the app on my phone on the, on the desktop and I can see everything. I can see exactly where I am in seconds. That relieves a lot. So that's, and this is just, we're talking about ways with technology here. You know, those are just simple technology things for getting rid of stresses. The other thing that I focus on a lot is adding productive patterns. You know, it's the other side of the coin of getting rid of the, the negative patterns. Things like drinking tea. I always drink tea, but like drinking chamomile tea because it's calming. And making uh, making my bed every morning. I never did this my whole life. I never saw the point. Like, I'm just going to get back into it in a couple hours. So I never, I was never a bed maker, but some for some reason I started making the bed. I don't know what it does, but something about seeing it somewhat, you know, like I'm not the guy who tucks the corners and all that stuff. I don't even use. Anyways, you don't need to know that. I don't use all of the sheets. I just sleep with a comforter. But anyways, I still straighten it. And when I look over, that relieves some sort of stress. It adds some kind of positive habit to the day. I don't know how long I'll do it for, but right now it's working. Just like uh, normally I have a full beard, but right now I'm rocking a goatee, which means that eventually I have to shave the other parts of the face that are not covered with hair. You know, the goatee is just one central position. Everything else is skin that needs to be shaved. Well, I'm not an everyday shaver, but I have been getting into a pattern of shaving every couple days when it gets to like maybe several days, three days or so, three, four days, I shave. Before what I used to do pretty much my, well, most of my adult life 
is if I was wearing a goatee at the time or whatever, I would let it grow back into a beard and then I would shave it back down to a goatee. So I was shaving like once every several months. I don't know why it feels good to shave every few days, but it's a healthy pattern that I'm adding. So I'm leaning into it. Eating healthy. I've always been obsessed with eating healthy. Well, maybe not always. In the last 10 years, I've been obsessed with eating healthy. But I'm really focusing right now on carbs and sugar. Because one of the things I didn't mention earlier, which is not super important for the beginning, but maybe makes sense here, is that when you get into sleep deprivation, your body does weird things. And one of the things it does is raise your blood sugar. So when your blood sugar is raised, now you're in like this pre-diabetic state from sleep deprivation, which means when you eat carbohydrates and sugar, you get tachycardia. Or at least I did. Your heart starts racing from eating a cookie. So I got to this place where like sugar was not my friend. Carbohydrates, pasta and pizza were not my friend. So I'm working on really hard on carb cycling right now. Having healthy carbs like twice a week and then staying low carb the rest of the week. Because I also want to lose some weight and get in shape. And in addition to that, I'm also sticking with pretty good fasting. You know, you're supposed to, maybe you don't know this, you're supposed to fast 12 hours a day. That's the way the body is supposed to work. You're supposed to be at least a 12-hour window where you don't have food being shoved into your mouth. It's a, it's a circadian rhythm of the body. And you do have, your, your body does react to that negatively because it produces insulin. If you go over that 12-hour window, it produces insulin for 24 hours. So body, your body literally never stops producing insulin if you don't break that. But if you want to extend that a little bit and get a little bit of the health benefits and also some of the blood sugar lowering benefits of fasting, you extend a little bit further than 12 hours. So I do 16, which means pretty much I stop eating at 830 at night. That's the last time I have like a snack or something. I usually just have some cottage cheese with some fruit. And then I don't eat until 130 the next day. And that's it. It's not really that hard. The hardest part, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll give a little bit of advice here. If you're going to try something like this, don't make the mistake that I did, which was eat as late as you want and just eat later in the day the next day. That sucks. Because even though I've never been a breakfast person, once you hit about being awake for like three hours, that's when you start getting hungry. But if you can cut off your eating time earlier in the night, then when you actually reach that hunger state, you'll be asleep. So when you wake up, you'll have already gone through that initial hunger cycle. And you really only have to wait like three hours after waking up to eat. Two to three hours, depending when you cut off. So that's a little advice on fasting. I enjoy fasting. I've also been doing some jogging. I've never been a runner. I think I've said that a lot in this episode. I've never been a, well, that's a good way to think. Because if I continue to do all of the things that I did before, then I will continue to get the results that I got before, which was misery. So yeah, I'm trying some new things. I've been jogging. And I'm not in the state, uh, in the shape, I should say, to be able to jog continuously. So I do kind of uh, intermittent jogging. I take the dog for a walk. I challenge myself. Can I jog from here down there, which could be like half a block? Can I make it there without running out of breath? And over time, as I've been doing it, I get to be that that length becomes a little bit more and a little bit more. And because I'm jogging and walking and jogging and rocking, I'm getting some of the mild benefits of something similar to like an H. What do they call it? Hit H is it H I T T or H T H I T T? I think I said the same thing twice. H I I T or H I T T? Can't remember. High intensity. So it's H I T T. What's the other T for? I don't know. Somebody out there screaming it right now. Listen to them. <laughs> I mentioned T earlier. I'm doing this right now. Actually, actually, no, I'm lying. I haven't done it yet. Still right here. 
I have been taking CBD and I'm taking CBD powder by this company called Cowper because one of the things I hated about taking CBD oil when I used to take it was having to measure it and wondering how much, you know, like this eyedropper says I'm getting one milligram and how many cannabinoids are that, you know, like you, I don't know what dosage I was getting, but this, I got this little package. It tells me I got 20 milligrams in here. Cool. I don't know if it's true. They say that the, the powder is more bioavailable and this is like either three or 30 times stronger than oil. All I know is this stuff is awesome. CBD in general is awesome. I'm not just talking about caliper, but I really like caliper because of the convenience. I just throw it in like water or tea. I split mine up. I actually try to do like half a package in the morning and half a package at night. I just like it better that way. But remember earlier where I said I was having like no enjoyment? Well, getting a little bit of sleep, maybe getting some of the endorphins from running, you know, like that runner's high and the CBD, those three things together. And I've had like three or four moments this week of like, I guess it's because it's been so long, bliss. Just moments where like, whoa, I'm doing nothing right now, but I am totally happy. Just like totally happy about being alive. And that's a big thing when you haven't felt that in a long time. That's a big thing. So the CBD has been a good, healthy pattern. But because of that, that pattern, that time period of like not feeling anything like pleasure, I had to ask myself, like, what makes me happy? Like, I don't, I did sit in front of my typewriter the other day, I was typing a journal entry and in the journal entry, I, I was asking myself a question, like, how do you get to the point where you don't know what makes you happy? And I guess if you're deprived of, of that sensation of pleasure long enough, you stop figuring it out. You stop figuring it out. You stop knowing it. You stop knowing what makes you happy. There are things that interest you. Oh, this is interesting. You know, like I would have used the word interesting to describe podcasting. Is it fun? Does it make me happy? I don't know. Can't remember the last time something gave me pleasure. That sucks, right? So you want to build healthy things in. Well, one of the best things you can build in is things that make you happy. So I'm having to rediscover what makes me happy. One of the things that like, I know that I've discovered already that I guess has always been suppressed is I love architecture. I love watching like shows about architecture. I even love watching like house remodeling shows, even though they're not really about architecture, they're tangentially related to architecture. And to be honest, as far as I've found, there's only been like, I've only been able to find like two shows that are actually about architecture. Most of the shows are just about house renovation, stuff like that. So if you want to watch that stuff and get some of that kick, yeah, you got to take the, the house renovation shows. But Home on Apple TV Plus is my favorite show on architecture. It's literally a show about architecture. It's amazing. And uh, Netflix, it's a, I think it's a BBC, 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 a BBC show originally. It's called The World's Most Extraordinary Homes. It's another great show about architecture. It's about these really cool houses and how the architects uh, chose, like why they chose the things that they did. It's It's similar to home, I guess, in that way. But home is really focused on the, the idea of the architecture. The world's most extraordinary homes is a little bit more focused on like, isn't this cool? <laughs> it's, a, it's a small distinction. Another thing I'm trying to focus on laughing. When you don't know what makes you happy, you really kind of can't figure out what makes you laugh. So I've been trying to listen to comedy and I don't know, like I really like had to think like, what makes me happy? Sorry, I'm, I'm doing this while putting the CBD in my drink. The question of what makes you laugh shouldn't be a question you have to ask yourself. It sucks. And on, I guess, tangentially related to that is smiling more. I don't know if it's true. They say that if you're smiling, your body doesn't know 
that you're faking it. So it produces all of the produces all the inside stuff to go with your smile if you smile enough. I don't know if that's true, but I like to believe it's true because I do find if I walk around smiling, I am happier. Could just be a psychological trick, but I'll take it. There's there's also this thing I don't remember where I heard this. They said that like there was these researchers that said that they could identify by looking at a photo of someone, the facial structure of someone, they could tell if they if they had grown up rich or poor. And their reasoning behind it was people who they had found, apparently they say, that people who grow up rich are, they just, they smile more in daily life because like they have less stresses, they have less things to worry about than poor people. And where poor people have resting, resting misery face, I guess. And by looking at the faces, they could see like, oh yeah, see these muscles here are developed more. This person smiled more. They probably grew up with some money or some security of some sort. I don't know if that's true either, but I've been thinking about that a lot. So it feeds into my wanting to smile more. All right, we're reaching the one hour mark. I didn't think I would go an hour on this. I don't know what I'm doing, by the way. This isn't some pre-planned format. The last thing I want to talk about, this is, man, I I don't like saying I'm going to cut off in an hour because I hate when I listen to shows and they say, oh, we're coming up on an hour. In other words, like, "Mm, don't matter if we have more to talk about, we're going to stop. This isn't radio. I'll go till I'm done because this last topic, I don't know how long I'm going to go on it because this might be the most important thing. That's a tough thing to say, but acclimating yourself to the non-anxiety mindset. I like the way that sounds, but it might <laughs> might be a little wordy. I'm saying get it takes a while to get used to not being anxious. I actually I hate anxious. Isn't anxious you like when you say I have anxiety, you could say I have severe anxiety, but you say I'm anxious. That sounds so wimpy in comparison, right? When you suffer from anxiety, you get into these thought patterns. What we've been talking about here, right? Thought patterns. When you stop having anxiety, or when you stop having the severe symptoms of anxiety, you still have the patterns. So you're still in an anxiety mindset. And you have to learn to get used to the idea of not being in that. What does that mean? Like, I know if I heard that, I'd be like, what is he talking about? I know what I'm talking about because it's my own experience. When you have anxiety, like I had, which manifested itself in severe hypochondria because I had things going on with my body. Everybody's telling me stuff's not going on with my body, which makes me pay attention to my body more because I'm thinking nobody's paying attention to this but me, right? What you start to do is something that I call Tracking problems. You're looking for problems. I kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but essentially what can happen is, let's go back to the ectopic beats, strange beat in my chest. Oh man. Oh my God. Oh my God. You know, when it stops and my heart goes back to normal, my mind is still waiting for it to happen. You know, still waiting for that other shoe to drop. And when it doesn't happen, it doesn't go, oh, okay, we can stop thinking about it. No, it keeps thinking about it. Perseverating. Let's go back to that word again. It keeps thinking about it. It's not happening, but with that little voice in the head is going, yeah, but it's going to come back. Yeah, but it's going to come back. Yeah, but it's going to come back. That's not a healthy mindset. I mean, that's essentially what anxiety is itself is expecting the worst, always catastrophizing. So you have to get yourself out of that somehow. And all of these things that I talked about before is a way to begin to do that. At least I've found it to be. But it's also like facing the reality of like, 
oh my God, I'm hoping for that bad thing to happen right now. Why am I doing that? And another way that can manifest is if you have, like I said, uh, hypochondria, uh, symptoms of hypochondria from the anxiety. The moment a problem is solved, you find a new one to track. Doesn't mean that doesn't mean that something isn't happening. Let me let, let me give an example here. All I've all I have been thinking about during the last bit of the sleep deprivation is, oh my God, I need to get some solid sleep because I'm losing my mind and my heart is misfiring. So I'm all I'm thinking about is sleep, sleep, sleep. Well, boom, I finally get sleep. And my mind doesn't go, ah, oh, cool. Now we don't have to worry about anything. Instantly, the moment I wake up and realize like, oh my God, I slept pretty well last night. My mind goes, yeah, but what's up with that tooth you just had drilled? Because my mind's going, hmm, what did the dentist say? Hopefully this heals and you don't need a root canal. Well, I wake up and I'm like, oh, I don't have to worry about sleep deprivation today because I feel rested today. And that anxiety voice goes, yeah, but what if that tooth turns into a root canal? What if that tooth turns into a root canal? Ooh, what's that pain? What's that pain? Oh, did you feel a twinge in your ear? And remember I said it doesn't have to be something fake. It can be something real. CPAP, pressurized air into my sinuses, had a tooth drilled. Yeah, I went to bed last night and I woke up with pain from the pressurized air in my sinus. So that's the first thing my mind went to is like, ooh, ooh, root canal, root canal. And I have to somehow retrain myself to not think like that. And it's, I don't, haven't figured that one out yet. That's maybe why I thought this was the most important is because it's the most difficult. So, mm. wow. I looked up at the clock right now. It's one hour, 55, 56, 57. I almost nailed one hour exactly. I think I've rambled enough on this. And I say that because I literally don't have anything left in my notes. All I'm trying to do with this show is enjoy myself. If I have something I want to talk about that I think other people would actually want to hear, I think hearing about anxiety is important. Mental health is important to talk about. I can only talk about it from my own personal experience. So I felt like I had something to say. I turned on the microphone. I've learned a lot from just doing one video on YouTube. And I've, I've learned to remember that uh, there are many different types of creators out there. I am just an earnest one. Ah, that's, that's, I don't want to say that. Makes it sound like other ones are not earnest. All I'm trying to do is talk the way that I talk, which means leaving in the mistakes, leaving in the ums, leaving in the parts where I have to sip tea. Not because I'm too lazy to edit it, but actually two reasons that I don't want to do that. Number one, I don't want to think about it like that. I don't want to get into the pattern of like, let me perfect this because that gets back into that unhealthy pattern for me. And yes, editing stresses me out. I sit and I edit for a long time and my heart rate goes up. Something about it. I, I focus in too much on the details and my body responds with a stress response. My brain's not stressed. My, my brain's doing what it's supposed to do. You know, it's focusing. It's doing all the mechanisms. But my body's like, oh, we're doing that. And it's probably because I'm clenching my jaw. I'm doing so many other things that I'm only learning to become aware of. So that's, that's not going to happen here. This is just going to be the way it is. Burps and all. <laughs> yeah, you're probably going to hear my dog at some point. Well, I said that and I burped. That's appropriate. Other thing I want to say before I get out of here. I'm not going to flood these things, I don't think. <laughs> that's a bad way to say that. I don't think I'm going to flood these things with links in the descriptions and all that. I don't even have anything to really link to here. Caliper. I guess I could. You can look it up, right? Let's just keep this simple. Just voice message from me to you. If you guys want to ask questions, I know that I don't have a ton of listeners because I've been inconsistent and 
I bailed for a while. But if there's anybody out there that wants to ask questions, I will answer questions. I mean, you know, I'll talk about things on the show. There's two ways you can send questions. I'm pretty much just going to dedicate my Twitter to being a question box. I don't really post on Twitter very much anymore. But if people want to ask me questions, they can tweet or DM me, whichever. And that's how I'll get a question. Or I'm using Anchor to host this podcast, which I think you probably heard a commercial for. Anchor has, uh, if you go on to the, the page for the show on Anchor, you will uh, see a button that says message and it lets you leave a voice message. If you want to do that, you can do that. Those are the two ways you can ask questions. I don't know. I don't, every time I've ever asked for questions in the past, never got any. <laughs> so I probably won't. But if you decide you want to, those are two ways you can send me something and uh, you can, anything else you need to know. Just go to itmattersbutitdoesn't.com. It's where everything is linked to my Patreon, linked to the YouTube if you want to go check out the the video that I did talking about the books I read. You want to sign up for the newsletter. All that's there. Okay, let's keep it simple. Twitter, voice messages, website, goodbye. <laughs>